Good morning, everyone. Glad you are with us. Man, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. All right, let's have some amens there. Yes. All right. You know, as we uh, are, our, our topic today is denying Jesus. And, you know, I'll always like, you know, the behind the scenes, how does it really happen? You know, where does the magic come from? You know, where is the... Uh, the all-powerful uh, Oz. Yeah, Friday afternoon, I was still trying to wonder, uh, wondering, what am I going to preach on Sunday? Nick is sick. Oh, woe is me. We got all kinds of things going on. The phones are broken. The Internet's not acting right. What can we do? And so uh, I just said out loud, you know, what am I going to preach? And Charlie Ann, our, our uh, janitor, says, why don't you talk about denying Jesus? Oh, okay. And she says, you know, she says, I struggle all the time. I'll do something and then I'll remember. Man, I just denied Jesus again. And, and, uh, and, and she, had, she had tears in her eyes. And, and I said, yeah. And, but then she got a smile on her face. She says, but that's, that's not the good news. The good news is I also know that I'm forgiven. And I said, what a, what a great thing. And so that's, uh, you know, if this seems uh, disjointed and uh, doesn't seem all together, well, that's just the way it's going to be today. But uh, so as we, as we talk about this, what does it mean to deny something? And I'll tell you right now, we live in a time of denial. And, and I'm not talking about the denial that we talked about in recovery uh, it's a time of denial just like that also, where we are denying the things that we should, but it just seems like we have deniers everywhere. Uh, you know what? I could say right now that we have 12 pendant lights or whatever, or, or 11 pendant lights hanging in this building, and someone would say, no, we don't. And then all of a sudden, on the internet, uh, it would it would be a uh, half of us are are saying they're eleven, some say they're twelve, some say they're ten, and some say you know they're really not pendants at all. Deniers. A denier is someone who objects to a conclusion, uh, who is closed off to the evidence, and who might move the goalposts when their arguments are refuted. God doesn't call us to be deniers. Uh, in, in being a denier, there is something, uh, you're, you're, you're messing with integrity. You're messing with the truth. You're trying to say the truth isn't the truth. You're trying to say the facts aren't the facts. Now, on the other hand, a skeptic is a person who doubts, often in the face of majority or authority, but might be open to considering reasonable evidence. Folks, we ought to be skeptics. Uh, as, as, I, as I live and breathe, we need to actually test the things that are presented to us. God wants us to, to not necessarily judge, but he wants us to compare truth. If you say this is truth, then let's, let's find out if it is or if it isn't. So here's what denial is. 
It is the action of declaring something to be untrue. Okay? That's, that is actually it. If you're going to deny it, it is, you're saying that is just not true. It could be also, denial could be uh, the disavowal of a person as one's leader. That is not my leader right there. I will not follow him. Denial can also be the refusal of something requested or desired. Go and do this? No, I am not going to. Denial is also a failure to acknowledge an unacceptable truth or emotion or to admit it into consciousness used as a defense mechanism. Sometimes someone tells you something that is true and you just do not want to believe it. And that's what I was talking about, Celebrate Recovery. That's that's that particular denial. And we have spent uh, many hours with that particular truth in itself, that that denial is not just a long river in Egypt, it is a way of life for a lot of us. But the denial that we're going to talk about today is more along the lines of declaring something to be untrue or the disavowal of a, a person as a leader, or even a refusal as a request. Let's look at Matthew 26, 30 through 35, and start setting this up a little bit. Folks, this is a busy week in the life of Jesus. This is, this is getting Jesus headed to the cross. He is with his disciples. It said, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will fall away because of this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Man, I can see Peter's fervent thought. I can see his red face. I can see that he's mad at Jesus, that that you you can't even think that I would deny you. Folks, isn't that how you feel? Isn't that how you feel? I feel so strongly that I believe in Jesus as the Christ, as the Son of the living God, There is nothing here in this world that could move me from believing in Jesus. Do you believe that way today? Famous last words of Peter. Actually, I believe they're the beginning of his actual eventual power that he has. But he says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And I like this. All the disciples basically said amen. Yeah, we're going to be with you. Now, here's the, here's the, 
the, the part of the story that we won't read into. It's not going to be long after this. Jesus is going to go uh, and pray, and they're all going to fall asleep. Jesus is going to wake them up, and then those guards, those, those people are going to come to take Jesus away. They're going to arrest him. And Peter lives up to what he says. Peter grabs his sword and cuts the ear off of one of the palace guards that is there to arrest him. I mean, actually, arrest Jesus. Now, what I always like that is he, he cuts off the ear. Have you ever thought about it? Why would he just cut off the ear? Well, it's because the guy was moving his head, okay? He is swinging his sword as strong as he can at the middle of the guy's forehead, and the guy does this, okay? Peter acts like he said he would. Anyway, that's just a sidebar. That one was free. It's not really in the notes. Now, Jesus said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me. Jesus said this not to condemn his disciples, but to show them that he was really in command of the situation. He's demonstrating that the uh, scriptures regarding the suffering of the Messiah have to be fulfilled. He's on the timeline. The things are lining up. The stars in the heavens are happening where they're supposed to be. This is what God said would happen. Jesus says, after I've been raised, Jesus was already looking beyond the cross. His eyes were set on the joy set before him. Jesus is looking forward even before the cross. Peter says, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Peter was tragically unaware of both the spiritual reality and the spiritual battle that Jesus clearly saw. Peter felt brave at the moment and had no perception beyond the moment. Soon Peter would be intimidated before a humble servant girl. And before her, Peter would deny that he even knew Jesus. Looking at this text, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Jesus is the Christ, is the Son of the living God, is the God-man here in this world, is part of the Trinity, and he is all-knowing. Jesus knew that Peter would fail in what he thought was his strong area, and that is courage and boldness. Through this solemn morning, Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to take heed and consider his own weakness. Jesus is giving Peter an out here when he says, this is going to happen to you. Peter could say, oh, okay, yeah, that's what's going to happen. But Peter, of course, doesn't. Jesus said to, uh, so clearly to Peter, Peter, you, have, you will be made to stumble. You will forsake your master. You will do it this very night before the ro uh, rooster crows. You will deny that you have association with me or even know me. And here's the kicker, folks. You will not only do it once, Peter, but you're going to do it three times. See, this wasn't enough warning for him not to trust his own strength. He wasn't ready 
to depend on God yet. Peter is not ready at this point to be God-dependent. You know, it was an opportunity that Peter did not use. Instead, he says, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Jesus knew that Peter, uh, Peter far better than Peter did. Peter was overestimating himself. When we are overestimating ourselves, folks, we are ready to fall. The rest of the disciples also estimated their strength and did not rely on the Lord in the critical hour. And so all the disciples said, we will do what Peter does. And they are going to scatter like flies in just a few minutes. Apparently, it was usual for the roosters in Palestine to crow about 12.30 and 1.30 and 2.30. And so the Romans gave this particular watch, the cockcrow watch, from 12 o'clock to 3 a.m. Let's fast forward to verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You are here with Jesus the Galilean. Verse 70. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know that man. 73, after a little while, the bystanders came up and said, Peter, certainly you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and swear, I do not know that man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Other, other uh, versions of this story from other gospels say that, that Jesus' eyes and Peter's eyes meet at this point. And Peter is weeping. The story is, has, has, is very simplistic. There are three escalating scenes, and the pressure builds which, with each scene. The first challenge comes from a single servant girl. It's not, it's not one of these big, strong, strapping guards with swords and spears. It's a servant girl. The second is from another girl now appealing to the bystanders, and a third from a group of those bystanders coming at him together. Peter's response also escalates. First comes an evasive denial, then, in a, then a direct denial on oath, and finally a much stronger response, which is probably to be understood as actually uttering a curse against Jesus. There's also physical movement involved here. You see, as he starts denying Jesus, he gets further and further away from Jesus and finally gets out to the gate and finally goes outside and away from all of the action. So Peter's denial of Jesus. What we're going to see are three different 
three different things going on here. First of all is the denial by words. He looks at the girl and says, I don't know what you mean. What are you talking about? How could I be one of those people? But the second, though, uh, adds to it. It's a denial by promise or an oath. He says, I give you my word based on something of value. Man, I'm going to swear on a stack of Bibles. See, it's interesting. Uh, This is interesting based on Matthew 5.34, which we talked about uh, in class this morning, the idea that oaths aren't something that you do. Jesus was against oaths, and here Peter is saying, look, you're wrong again. But the last one is, is denial by a substitutionary curse. You see, I offer to do something extraordinary to prove my integrity. Here Peter is putting someone under a curse if he is lying. And since it's not him, he's probably invoking Jesus here. Again, words, promise, and a curse. Growing up, I always thought when it said curse here that he was cussing. And in, in, in my world at that time, that, that, of course, was the sin that you couldn't go against because if you did, mom would beat you. But this, folks, is worse than a mama-beaten sin. The very Savior of the world that he has come to know by spending every day for the last three years with him, he is now denying Let's talk about Peter's pain from denying Jesus. The crowing of the crock reminds him of his earlier boast, and he realizes how far he has fallen short. That's in verses 33 and 35. His bitter weeping, once he got safely away from the place of danger, arises perhaps from a mixture of self-disgust and true sorrow for what he has done. All of a sudden, all the pressure of everything You know, there are moments when you say something and maybe you count to five or so and all of you, you're thinking, man, did I say that? But my question for you this morning, is this remorse or is this repentance at this time? See, is he just sad that he said it or is he willing to change directions in this moment? That's the big question. Uh, Is he still, as he's walking away from Jesus, is he wanting to turn around yet? See, folks, that's what what repentance is, right? Changing directions, going a different way. I'm going to stop for a second, though. Before we get hard on Peter right now, let us remember that many Christians deny Jesus every day in some way. I want to call your attention to three or four different ways that you can actually deny Christ in just a minute. But also want to remind you that later on, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Peter would preach Jesus on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people would be saved. 
but he had to deny Jesus first. We are amazed to read that Peter would deny the one that he said he would never deny, but is going to uh, just 50 days from now, going to be preaching salvation in Jesus. So what are some ways that we or people deny Jesus? I'm going to tell you this morning, folks, the easiest one of the bunch is this. Some people deny Jesus by their words. You see, we speak and what we say reveals a great deal about our Christian character or our lack of Christian character. What comes out of the mouth a lot of times is saying what our true character is. See, the tongue is the most powerful influencer in the church. And it is able to build people up or tear people down. We have to be careful about the words we use every day. Some comments that I read about others' words. John Maxwell was asked one time, are you praying that your people will get the gift of tongues? No, he replied, I am praying that they'll learn to control the ones they have now. The next comment is very much applies to me. Have you ever squeezed too much toothpaste or too much of anything out of a tube when you were trying to get the right amount? Have you ever tried getting it to go back in the tube? You know, things that are once released will not return again. An opportunity neglected and an arrow released from its bow or a word spoken in haste just can't come back. Man, I have said things before, and I, I am sitting there going, I wish I could roll my tongue back. We have to watch our words. Psalm 19:14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Some people deny Jesus by their actions, like what we've just seen with Peter. Again, looking at stories, a rather pompous-looking deacon was endeavoring to impress upon a class of boys the importance of living the Christian life. And he looked at the class, and what he said to them is, why do people call me a Christian? After a moment's pause, one of the children in the class looked at him and said, maybe it's because they do not know you. You see, we have to be careful how we act because people are watching. This man that I'm going to talk about right here made use of Christian vocabulary. He talked about the blessing of the Almighty and the Christian confessions which become the pillars of his new government. He assumed the earnestness of man weighed down by historic responsibility. He handed out pious stories to the press, especially to the church papers. He showed his tattered Bible and declared 
that he drew strength for his great work from its scores of pious people, and, and they welcomed him as a man sent from God. You see, Adolf Hitler was a master of outward religiosity with no inward reality. We have to be careful how we act, and we have to act with integrity. Some deny Jesus by their witness. <clears throat> and, and what we have to also realize is that Jesus is about to go on trial at this particular time when, when Peter is sitting close by. And what we know is that Peter chose to deny Jesus when Jesus was on trial. He could have been a, a witness to stand up for the defense. Peter knew Jesus and knew that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He could have spoken up. He could have, uh, he could, but, but what did he do? He walked away. Folks, when we are uh, out in the world, we are on trial. We are on the witness stand, and we have to speak up for Jesus so people can know that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Proverbs 14.25 says this, A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. What we have to realize is that denying Christ is sin. It causes separation. It separates us from God uh, and from Jesus and from the Holy Spirit. And what we have to do is make sure that we are working through the sin that is in our life. Acts 8.22 says, Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart will be forgiven. Ask God to take care of the fact that you have been not denying Jesus somehow in your life. Make sure that God is, is with you, leading you to be the witness that God wants you to be. The great thing about Peter is the story doesn't end in Matthew. John tells us the rest of the story. If you want to turn over to John chapter 21, I don't know about you, but if the end of the story was Peter walking away, I would be totally bummed out today. I, I would be left on a low note thinking that if, if Peter can't do it, then man, it is going to be impossible for me to make it in this world. But, but let's, let's look at this story. First of all, in John 21, I'll be doing some summarizing here, unless you guys want to spend all afternoon. I know that's not the case, but, but look at this. Verses 1 through 3, Peter tries to get all the disciples together. Uh, they have, remember, they scattered, they were scared. And here we see Peter saying, hey guys, let's go fishing. And so they fished all night and caught nothing. 
Folks, that's not a bad thing. I have spent all night fishing with brothers in Christ and had some of the greatest times of my life. Fellowship is part of what God wants us to do. They probably weren't catching fish because they were laughing and they were noisy and they were poking fun at each other and they were enjoying their time together. But as as the dawn approaches uh, in verses 4 through 8, there is this nut on the seashore who thinks he knows where the fish are. In fact, in verses 4 through 8, Jesus tells them where to fish. His first question is the most insulting. If you've ever been fishing anywhere and you didn't have anything on your stringer or in your basket, and someone comes up and asks how many you have caught, you are, you're, you're feeling empty, empty like your basket. So he asks them how many they caught, and they say they have not caught any. In Texas, we call that a water haul. All I have been doing is bringing back empty string, empty net, not catching anything. So Jesus, knowing everything, remember he is all-knowing, right? He's God. He directs them where to fish in verse 6. And in verse 6, they actually listen to him. You know, at that point, when someone is telling you and you have not been catching anything all night long, why not try what they're telling you? So the nets are put out, and the nets are so full that they're, they're busting. And all of a sudden, the beloved one, John, recognizes it's Jesus there on the shore. Jesus realizes it's Jesus so much is embarrassed because all he's wearing basically is underwear because it's hot and he's out in a, in, in a, in a warm climate. And all of a sudden he knows Jesus is there and so he puts on his outer garment. Not only does he put on his outer garment, he jumps in the water. Now see, if I was going to jump in the water, I wouldn't put all my clothes on first. Maybe that's because I'm a swimmer and I realize how much it would weight you down, but he jumps in with all of his clothes on, his coat and everything, and he swims to the shore because the man he loves is on the shore. And he leaves the other disciples with full nets. And they have to bring in the fish. In verse 8, the other disciples are left to bring in the net. And then in 9 through 14, Jesus cooks breakfast of them of fish and bread. Still not the end of the story, folks. It just gets better. In John 21, verse 15, Peter is confronted by Jesus. Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these, Peter? And Peter's taken back a little bit by this. And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus looks at him and says, feed my lambs. But then Peter is questioned a second time, and Jesus asks, do you love me? Peter is now, of course, being Peter, gets a little bit upset and says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. 
And Jesus says, tend my sheep. Peter's question a third time. Jesus asks, do you love me? And this third time, Peter is grieved. It cuts into his soul because he recounts, I believe, in his mind, back to the time when Jesus was on trial and he is being asked if he is one of those that are followers of Jesus and he is denying Jesus, denying Jesus, and denying Jesus. And now a third time, Jesus is asking him, do you love me? He's grieved. Remember when he looked back after the third time when the cock crowed? We saw remorse. We saw him actually uh, feeling bad. We saw him weeping bitterly. Peter is grieved this time and reiterates his love for Jesus, but adds that Jesus knows, you know that I love you, Lord. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Folks, this is what I call the restoration of Peter. And this is the part of the gospel that gives us hope. You see, there's little doubt that this whole scene is meant to show us that Peter is completely restored to his position of leadership. He is told, uh, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. He has given the instructions to be a leader in God's kingdom. He has once denied Jesus, and now he is showing his love for Jesus, and Jesus has forgiven him. Three times he had denied his Lord, and now three times he has affirmed his love for him. And three times he has been commissioned to take care of his flock. As we look at this, at this demonstration of love that Jesus has, what we see is he is forgiving the mistakes of Peter's past. When he restores him here, he restores Peter to a place of trust. As we look at this, we have to look and see what Jesus was asking here. When Jesus is questioning Peter prior to commissioning him, his question is, do you love me? It's a question of not, are you working for me? Are you doing the things? Are you checking off all the boxes? It is a heart question, do you love me? What we're seeing here is, the basic qualification for our Christian service is love. Love for Jesus, love for God, love for the Holy Spirit, and love for one another. And as we wind down, my question for us this morning, have you denied Jesus? By way of review, have you denied Jesus by your words? Have you used the wrong words at the wrong time and, and, and hurt people and pushed them away?
Have you said things that separated you and Jesus? Have you denied Jesus by your actions? Have you lived a life that is not uh, full of the integrity of what a Christian should be doing? Have you denied Jesus by your witness? Are you speaking up for Jesus when you need to? Or are you leaving Jesus to hang on the cross? Have you denied Jesus by abandoning Jesus? Folks, there is good news for you today. You see, it's a simple question. Do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, start acting like it. Do you love Jesus? I'm, yeah, I'm asking the question. Okay, yeah, thank you. I thought, I thought you know, maybe the things weren't working here. So, if you love Jesus, start acting like it, but also start sharing Jesus with others. And you know what? We have to ask it a third time. Do you love Jesus? Okay, if you love Jesus, what Jesus says is, go and love your neighbor. And, and when he says, go and love your neighbor, is uh, if, you, if your neighbor doesn't know Jesus, he's going to hell. Do you want your neighbor to go to hell? No. Share and witness and speak about Jesus. Folks, what we want you to know today is if you, if you have abandoned Jesus, if you have, if you have left him hanging, he wants you back. Notice, notice what he did. Peter had denied him three times publicly. Three times at the courthouse, Peter denies Jesus. But here, in fellowship, in closeness, Jesus forgives him of all that. And not only that, says, Peter, lead my church forward. Folks, if you have anything that you need to... Uh, pray about today, anything that you need to confess, anything that you just need uh, hope for the future about, come as we stand and as we sing.